0: You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. Yes, off and running on this Saturday, July 10th. Yes, this is the Dave Rothenberg Show, but as you can probably figure out, Dave bailed on you again. Look, I don't know what to tell you. The guy... um he knew that you were looking forward to this Saturday. He knows the, what the, the Saturday soiree means for the Dave Rothenberg show, the Stump Rothenberg, all the staples. But uh, he said, you know what? Not that important to me. So I am merely Gordon Damer filling in next three hours of just jam-packed sports talk. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. And, of course, you can find me on uh, Twitter, at Gordon Dahmer, on Instagram, at Gordon Dahmer. But most importantly, you can find me right here on the radio until noon. So... Lots of stuff. I mean, too much to just cram in on this Saturday morning. We'll talk about the NBA Finals. Mostly because if we don't talk about them today, it doesn't really feel like we're going to get many more chances to talk about them. Seems like we're running out of time there. Going, going, going. Well, Game 3 is tomorrow, so we still got some time there. But, you know, to get 42 from Giannis in Game 2 to take basically, what, 10 more free throws in the game? Do a halfway decent job against Chris Paul and still not even, not only not win the game. They never led in the second half, so the outlook outlook is not great if you are the Milwaukee Bucks. We got 61 days until the NFL returns, and I touched on this uh, yesterday, filling in on uh, DCR. You know, this is really the first time in the last few years I feel like that both Jets and Giant fans can feel, have some legitimate... Look, the NFL returns. It's always exciting when your team is back. you look forward to NFL Sundays like nothing else. Uh, But I think this is the first time in at least the last few years that you can have some legit excitement about the season and not just that the NFL is back. Some excitement about where your team... uh, For the Jets, it's probably since the rookie year of Sam Darnold, right? Last two years have been very difficult. And this year for the Giants you have some legit expectations on wins and losses, right? Like for all the focus on Joe Judge last year, I don't know that anybody had any real expectations of a, of a winning season or playoffs or division titles. This year, you can have some realistic thoughts about those things. But you know what? Let's start, of course, with the baseball. Let's start with the Yankees. You always start with the Yankees. Well, true, but I think this time it's completely justified because the Yankees go down to Houston last night, open a series against the Astros. First time in Houston since the uh, 2019 ALCS, so nice to see the Astros planning their giveaways based on the Yankees' visit, right? I'm sure by now you saw that last night they gave fans a replica of the American League Championship Series trophy from 2019. Today, I think it's a replica ring of the 2019 ALCS. And then Sunday, Sunday's the real giveaway. Giant trash can and a jersey buzzer. You can't find... I mean, those things are going to be selling like hotcakes on eBay, so that's fun. But, you know, the Yankees went out last night, and you'd have to say they went out and played one of their sharpest and, I think, overall best games of the season. Beat the Astros 4-0, and I actually had a good feeling going into last night, and I've been as negative as anyone on the Yankees because I've watched the Yankees a lot this year. And for a change, they played a clean game, right? Not sleepwalking through innings. No boneheaded base running decisions. The defense was overall sharp. And how about the job that Nestor Cortez has done? I mean, you think about it, right? Last night was lights out, pitching into the fifth inning. Gave up two hits, walked a couple of guys. And this is against the Astros, right? This is not the Mariners. This is not even the Mets. This is, this is one of the top offenses in baseball, the best team in the American League with the largest run differential by far in the American League. Now, look, they didn't have Correa, no Bregman, but their lineup is still formidable. I mean, Altuve, Brantley, Guriel is so underrated. Alvarez is a monster. So you take a look at the last three outings for Nestor Cortez, and he's kind of done this all season long. I mean, he's kind of like the ace of New York now, right? He has got like the best ERA of any pitcher in in New York out of the two teams. So that's something. And last three times, uh, he went out and he kept Otani in the ballpark, which, if you heard the Sports Center, is not easy to do against anybody anywhere. Uh, He saved the Yankees in that uh, start against the Mets last Sunday. And then last night, gets 14 outs against the best team in the American League. So pretty impressive for Nestor Cortez, a guy who's bounced around an awful lot, but who's had a fantastic season for the Yankees. And the rest of the bullpen... Again, a clean game. The rest of the bullpen did the rest of it. 13 outs, gave up one hit. Litke, Chad Green, Louisaica, just lights out. No uh, Araldis Chapman, so we were all able to kind of enjoy the night and not have any stress or agita as the game went along. And you know what? Let's give uh, Aaron Boone some credit. (laughs) I I really try not to. If you're driving, be careful. I'm sorry. I should have probably... Warned you on that one before throwing it out there like a like a bomb. Um, yeah, give Aaron Boone some credit. Fifth inning, 2 nothing game. Cortez walks Garcia. He decides at that point to go to the bullpen. Brings in Litke, the left-hander, to go up against Altuve. And maybe he didn't feel too good at the time, but he gets Altuve swinging. The rest of the bullpen, as I said, does the job. The offense actually was productive last night. 12 hits, four doubles. No home runs, but Lemayhu had two hits, Judge had two hits, Torres, Glaber Torres had two hits, Gio Urshela I think had a couple of hits, Brett Gardner with a big base hit, a couple of ribbies, so that was an impressive win. An impressive win, and this is obviously, I mean, it's been said a thousand times. It feels like every single time the Yankees are playing a series, it's like, all right, it's crisis time for the Yankees. They got to start winning some games. It's like that old thing about, you know, you draw a line in the sand, and the person goes across the line in the sand, and then you draw a new line in the sand. This is a vitally important series to the Yankees. You have to start winning some games, and you'd like to have a little good mojo heading into the All-Star break. They've not, they've not really, in terms of, I don't know if there's a, a leaderboard for days with good mojo, but the Yankees are probably trailing there as well, like they're trailing in every other category and division and wild card standings in the American League East. They've not had a whole lot of good mojo for long stretches of this season. It, it feels like every time something goes well, you know, the other shoe's going to drop. And and look, it's, it, I think it's important to prove it to the front office that this team is better than what they've played to see if there's any way that the front office will actually add to this roster before the trade deadline, which is quickly approaching. I think it's important to prove it to the fans because they've been as demoralized than anyone. But I think at this point, the Yankees got to kind of prove it to the Yankees. You know, they talk a good game. They've said all that they can say, but, I'm sure the guys on the team will say, oh, you know, we believe in the guys in the room. But to be as bad as they have been, as consistently as they've been, every time it seems like they're getting things going in the right direction, a new issue or a new problem pops up. And to be facing what they're facing in terms of the division, which I think is kind of already kind of gone, um, and and probably resigned to the wild card at best. They got to prove it to themselves that, yeah, you know what? We are as good maybe as we thought we were going to be coming into the season. I don't even know if they can be as good as they thought they'd be, but they have to be a whole lot better than what they actually have been. And last night, everything went right, and that's great. You get games like that every once in a while, right? The pitching was excellent. The offense was productive enough. But we know that it does not go like that on most days, and the Yankees have conditioned us this year, I think, not to get our hopes up because you know what's going to happen. When we go to the phones, oh yeah, well, yeah, they won, but what about today with Cole? And even if they were to win today, all right, yeah, but what about Sunday? They never were able to sweep these series at 3-8. and eight. They just had that opportunity against the Mariners. They got one hit on the afternoon. And even if they were to somehow, best-case scenario, go out here and sweep the Astros. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe the Astros are looking ahead to, to the All-Star break. They don't have to worry about these games day in and day out like the Yankees do. But what about the Red Sox coming out of the break? What about the Rays in the second half? And can't you just see with the way things have gone with this Yankees team this year? that in some way they go out here and sweep the Astros and we spend three or four days feeling good about where the team is out, and then they come out of the break and get swept by the Red Sox again? I mean, can't you just envision that happening? But last night was huge. You needed it. And today, today is absolutely, when it comes to the Yankees, when it comes to baseball, if you're a baseball fan, today is absolutely must-see TV. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. So it is Gordon in for Dave in case you're just tuning in. Yes, absolutely, Dave bailed on his audience again. But don't worry, all the regular staples are still going to be in their regular places. We still have Stump Rothenberg at 1030. We'll get to uh, some football in the 11 o'clock hour. But coming up, you know, there's a saying that if something happens once, it's a dot. If something happens twice, it's a line. But if something happens three times, well, my friends, that's a trend. And I think you know where I'm going with this. And it has a has a focus on the New York Yankees and today's game against the Astros. So we'll get to that coming up next. So focused on the Yankees in the open, we'll get to the Mets because look, at this point, the Mets are the better team, but. At this point, the Yankees are the better topic of conversation because to be a topic of conversation, you got to have some things going on. And right now, the Mets, they have concerns, but they don't have any worries. The Mets don't really have worries right now. Everything's good in Metland. Now, that, that doesn't mean it'll always be that way. And when there are things that pop up that are interesting, or at least there's two sides to the, to the coin, well, then they might be more of a focus. Might be the playoffs at this point, given the state of the National League East. But the Yankees, no, they got (laughs) they got issues and spades, dude, man. They got they got nothing but issues (laughs) more so than anything else. So uh, and today. You'd have to say outside of his playoff starts last year against the Rays. This is these this today is the biggest start that Garrett Cole has made as a Yankee so far, right? Like last year in the playoffs. Uh, in that series against the Rays, you're trying to save the season. And I don't think that today the Yankees can save their season, although it's getting to that point, right? There's got to be a tipping point where the season's going to be lost, but it's not today. But more importantly than that for Cole, I think he's just trying to save his reputation. I mean, you take a look at how things have gone for him over the last two starts, and it is the last two starts. I know people are now trying to – you can play with numbers – and he has not been as dominant as he was earlier in the season since the, the crackdown on the illegal substances. But those first three starts, you'd sign for those. Like he he went up against, what was it? The, the the Twins, the Blue Jays, and I think the Royals. And those three starts were all fine. Now, he wasn't striking out double-digit guys. He wasn't the overpowering guy that maybe you've come to expect from Garrett Cole or the way he pitched earlier in the season. But You'd have no problems accepting those kind of starts more times than not. The problem is these last two starts, where he has been in huge spots, and you'd have to be honest, he's been awful, right? To give up four runs in the first against the Red Sox, desperate for a win against your division rival, a team you're chasing, on the, your ace on the mound at Fenway, and he is absolutely brutal in that start. Really didn't give you much of a chance there, especially with the way the Yankees' offense is, is set up these days. And then, last time out, to have a 4-1 lead against the Mets, who at that point were one of the worst offenses in the sport. So those two starts coinciding with the the, the crackdown on the illegal substances. And, and, boy, you thought his answer was bad to the question. Remember when he was asked about, do you use spider tag? You know. I think you got <laughs> I think you you found out everything you needed to know right there from the way he uh, answered that question. I don't think you need a lie detector test on that one. But he absolutely has to go out today and redeem himself. Otherwise, I think that his reputation is set and I, and I think it's absolutely true. One thing, you know, to have one start like he did against the Red Sox after the crackdown on the illegal substances, Okay, you know, these things happen and it's clear that he was using something and he he was going to have to make an adjustment there. Okay, that's bad. Then to go out like he did against the Mets, that's also really bad. Now, if he goes out there today against a good Astros lineup, again, no Correa, no Bregman, but if he goes out there against this team and and looks kind of like the guy that he has the last two starts – I think that his reputation at that point has been established until somehow he's able to 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 get back to, if he's ever able to get back to, something remotely close to what he was earlier this year and the guy that you thought you signed. And this rotation, they got enough question marks. <laughs> it's filled with question marks. He's supposed to be the exclamation point. He's supposed to be the guy that can come in and stop losing. He's the stopper. He's the ace. And he has not been that so far. So in a Yankee season where it's like they're trying to put their fingers in the dam, the dam keeps springing leaks everywhere. There's some of those leaks that are not as big as others. If Garrett Cole, if this is now Garrett Cole and he's going to be like, I mean, like look, the last two starts, he's been horrible, but if he's going to be the Garrett Cole of the Pittsburgh pirates, essentially. Well, then I don't think that the Yankee season can be saved and it might not be able to be saved even if he is good, right? Like it's it's not like the Yankees don't have a whole lot of other issues going on. All right, let's hear from uh, Aaron Boone and Nestor Cortez. Uh, Cortez, brilliant last night. So with the way he has pitched this year and the way he was able to, to hold a good Astros lineup in check, he was asked, would you like to be part of the starting rotation? Here's Nestor Cortez.
1: Uh, I'm going to take what I can get at this point. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, the team is going to get back on track for sure. Uh, you know, we're winning games, and, and hopefully you know, after the break we keep this
2: going.
0: All right. So, and then the, the other big thing last night was when you were getting into this game, you, you, you knew going in that the bullpen was going to have to be uh, a major factor. And one of the, the issues with this series that makes it so interesting before the break is not just Cole today, but what about Chapman? Like, where does Aroldis Chapman fit in this series? Does he fit in this series? All right, like Assuming that there are no blowouts, that either the Yankees don't go out there and just get destroyed or that they are able to put up 10 runs uh, against the Astros, assuming that, that these are close games that are going to be decided late, where can you pitch Chapman at this point? He clearly is not the closer. I mean, they, they have to take a step back from how bad he has been. To, you start to feel like, and you'll have to find spots for him somewhere. You're not going to just completely give up on the guy. But uh, Aaron Boone was uh, last night went with Chad Green, seventh and eighth, and then went with LeWisega to close things out. So Aaron Boone was asked about um, LeWisega pitching in the ninth, and will that happen more? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, Greeny closed
1: one out the other night. Chappie's going to get back to closing. Uh, you know, when Britt comes back, he can factor in there. Um, so, no, it's just I, I, I liked
2: I liked Greeny in the seventh there for the middle of their order and, and and then Lowe coming back around if we needed help at the top there. So it was just kind of more where I
0: liked them tonight. All right. So, I mean, look, I have no problems with anything there. And, and maybe he does, you know, kind of play it by ear because Chapman is out of the mix right now. And I'm sorry. He can say all he wants. And, and look, he's going to be endlessly optimistic about Chapman getting back into the closers role. He's going to have to show you. Uh, he's got to kind of earn some trust back because it was not like, you know, closers have moments, right? Even Mariano had those stretches usually early on in the season where there were three or four outings in a row where he was shaky or whatnot. I mean, Chapman imploded to such a degree for such a long period of time. I think that you have to see him show you some level of, of competency before you can feel comfortable not even ninth inning. I'm just talking about a close game in the seventh inning or in the sixth inning to, to, to kind of earn back a, a little bit of that trust. And um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I think that the closers situation, though, is one of the more fixable. And I'm not really all that concerned because the Yankees have a lot of different options there. You know, when it comes to the rotation, there are not many good options. You know, like if Cole's bad the rest of the season, there's no, there's no way to fix that. Or if other guys in the rotation are not good, um, you know, between Jordan Montgomery or Domingo Herman or, or Tyone, you can, you don't really have a whole lot of great, uh, you know, like Nestor Cortez might very well be the next guy up or Michael King when he comes back. You know, there's not many great options there. At least with the closers, the Yankees have a bunch of guys who are pretty dominant late in games. If it's Chad Green, if it's... If it's uh, Luizaga, who I love, or, or Britton, when he gets back and healthy, he's closed games before. So that one is not really a big issue. Because <laughs> Another reason, it's not like the Yankees, you know, a lot of games these, they don't have late tonight. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the least concerning things to me. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. And then I guess the other thing you have to touch on with the offense, um, Gary Sanchez now has one hit in his last 25 at-bats but more importantly, he's had one extra base hit since the A's series. In case you forgot, they played the A's three weeks ago. So I saw some quotes, you know, the Yankees say, yeah, well, I th- we still think he's having good at bats. Or so they said that, well, these struggles are different. The problem is they always say that, right? Like with everyone, like stubborn optimism in, in, in the face of actual results does not really increase your credibility. So, uh, yeah, I would be a little, I mean, we, we brought this up at the time where he was like, you know, he was on fire for that two or three week stretch and everybody was ready to just jump. Oh, Gary Sanchez is back. We knew that this guy, the Yankees, we knew that this was the guy he finally has returned. And that, that was great. I mean, it was important that he had that stretch. It was nice to, to, to at least remind you of what a good player he can be at times, because it's been a real long time since you saw that Gary Sanchez. But there's always kind of a little bit, and it was not unfair to think it at the time, okay, well, when this hot stretch is over, he's a notoriously streaky hitter. What happens to him? Is this now the new normal where he is going to be a productive bat and someone you can actually feel comfortable batting third in the lineup and not just at the bottom of the lineup and hoping that he runs into one every once in a while? Or or is is he going to get back to that this is just like a blip and he's going to go right back to the struggling Gary Sanchez? I hope that's not the case. But for the Yankees to say that these struggles are different, uh, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily believe that because they'll say that about everybody. I mean, like how often in the postgame will somebody you know, be 0 for their last 20 and and Aaron Boone will say, yeah, no, we like his at-bats or, you know, like talking about Chapp, Chappie's going to get back in there closing real soon. Yeah, that, that, that stubborn optimism, I'm sure that that's what the Yankees want in terms of the players. They don't. I don't want any criticism or anything like that publicly. I get it, but that does not make me say, well, you know what? Like, you want to look at your organization and feel like, you know what? They absolutely know way more about this situation. You can trust their judgment on these type of things. Problem is with the Yankees, when it comes to struggling players like Gary, I mean, like how many times did you hear when Gary Sanchez was going through his struggles that you'd hear from Aaron Boone and, well, you know, he's, he's, he's getting close. He's having good at bats. We like some of the things that we see. And you're sitting there saying, you do? Because <laughs> I don't. I see all the same things. One of my, I'm seeing strikeouts. I'm seeing uh, 0 for 4s. I'm seeing grounded into double plays. It doesn't make me feel all that great. It doesn't make me feel all that great. He's pompous, he's arrogant, and he's on vacation again. He is Dave Rothenberg. I'm Gordon Damer filling in. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. So I know as as listeners, as people who like to take part in Stump Rothenberg, you look forward to Saturdays, the Saturday soiree with Dave. He essentially has told you it's not that important to him. That's the only way you can read the situation, people. But I will try my best. So again, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, again, I would, I would tell you, you know, uh, the areas of my wheelhouse. It's a very narrow, slim—Dave's very wide. Mine is very narrow. Uh, I would say movies, TV shows, 80s wrestlers, the New York Yankees, obviously. Uh, but let's give it a go. Brian, who would you suggest to, to be up first? We like to get it off on a good start. So of the questions that you have already perused uh-huh. and you know of, which one would you say is probably the easiest on the scale of 1 Ooh, to 5? Ooh, easiest. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying it's an easy question. No, I'm saying it can't be too easy. That's right, no, <laughs> of course. Uh, if, you, uh, if it's too easy, I don't want you to allow that question to take up space on the call screen. But, you know, something that you would say, that's, that's a good question. Give thought, me your idea of, you know what, that's a really good question.
1: I thought Chris and Beth Page's question was pretty good.
0: All right, Chris and Beth. See, now with Brian. Brian's a good guy. Like, when Ty Butler's here, he's trying to lead you astray. Brian wouldn't do that. He's an honorable person. So we will go with Chris and Beth Page. Chris, you're first up on Stump Rothenberg.
1: Hey, Gordon. Um, hey, Chris. What is Dave Rothenberg? Have that Howard Stern uh, contract? I think he does he have that Stern deal.
0: I think it's I, – I mean, you'd have to say. Yeah. I mean, think about it. He just came back from a week's vacation, and now he's taking I more know. days off. It's, an, it's incredible. Amazing. It's outrageous.
1: Um, all right, so, Gordon, listen – I got a really good baseball question, but I also have a uh, Super Bowl uh, trivia question. I don't know what you feel more comfortable with.
0: Uh, I feel more comfortable with whichever one is more gettable.
1: All right. Uh,
0: all right. Well, mm. and to me, gettable okay. is like: have I have I seen either that Super Bowl or have I seen the player that the question is about? That's what I mean by gettable.
1: All right. All right. This, this is this is what we'll do. We'll go with that because the baseball one goes back before your time, which yeah, I know that, you don't that's like. No good. So. Yeah okay all give right so t- I'll go with the super Bowl one okay Bowl. so listen Gordon there were four quarterbacks who started at least three Super Bowls and never won an MVP uh just give me give me three of them
0: four give it to me again four quarterbacks who have played in Super Bowls who, who start who, who
1: started who started
0: at least three
1: Super Bowls and never four won an MVP who
0: started three Super Bowls and have never won a, a, a Super Bowl MVP or a game MVP the Super, the Super Bowl, Bowl MVP. MVP. Is what you're saying. Just make it a little clearer. You're talking about a Super Bowl MVP? Yes, Super Bowl MVP. So, right, they're four
1: quarterbacks that started three Super Bowls at least three Super Bowls and never won an MVP in that game.
0: All right. Um well, I would think Started three Super Bowls. One of them should be
1: easy because he started in four Super Bowls and never won an MVP.
0: Started in.
1: Because they never Super won Bowls. a game.
0: Oh, okay. Well, uh, no, wait a second. He started in four Super Bowls and never won an MVP.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a layup club. Which team went to four Super Bowls and didn't win one of them?
0: Oh, Frank Tarkenton.
1: All right, France Tarkenton, very good. That's, okay. that's one of them.
0: France Tarkenton. Um, okay. So I got to get what, two more now? Yeah, two more. Um,
1: one of the guys is still playing.
0: There's a guy that I'm and thinking of. the other guy. Of, but I don't want to say it in case I'm wrong. Um... I'll say. Jordan, what team is Troy known for going, What is team is known?
1: One? What? What, Gordon? What team is known for going to four Super Bowls and not winning? What team?
0: Well, the oh all right, Jim Kelly, obviously. Ah, oh, stupid. That there I should have that one right off the bat. And then the other one I would say right, would so probably I, be Troy Aikman.
1: No, Aikman won an MVP.
0: He did what? He won a Super Bowl MVP.
1: He did. He won uh, the first one they won. He won the MVP. Then, all right, So give me the Emma other Smith. two. Give me the other two. The other two, all right. The other two, uh, Ben Roethlisberger.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't think he went to. Th- I forgot he and, went to three.
1: And Bob Greasy. Greasy lost his first one against the Cowboys. Then he won two in a row, but he never was the MVP.
0: All right. Well, look, you got me there. Uh, I thought I didn't. Th- I wouldn't have thought Greasy was on my was on my radar. Uh, obviously, that's a little bit before my time, so I never really saw those games. Aikman, I didn't think had won a Super Bowl MVP, but good job there, Chris. You've absolutely uh, you've stumped me today. Uh, good job. All right, well, off to a bad start already. Let's uh, let's try uh, Jake and Caldwell. Jake, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey,
1: Gordon. First of all, you're a great Instagram follow. I don't want that to go. Uh, un- Thank you, Jake. Unappreciated. I appreciate
0: that. You can follow me on Instagram <laughs> at Gordon Damer.
1: Yeah. So my question is pretty random. It's about the 2003 Dodgers. That 2003
3: roster Dodgers. had. Th- that roster had three current major league managers on that team. Can you name all three?
0: 2003 Dodgers. Oh, God. Um, well, I would, I would assume Cora was probably there, right? Alex Cora there? Is that right?
3: Yes, that's one. Yes.
0: Um, managers. Oh, Dave Roberts was there, right? Yes, that's two. Third guy. Hmm. Now, did you say current managers or just managed at some point? Current. Huh. I don't know. I'm trying to think. 2003 Dodgers. That was like Hideo Nomo kind of Dodgers, right? Like Kevin Brown was still there. Uh. You want a position? Yeah, give me a position. Catcher. A catcher? Catcher. Backup catcher. Three Dodgers. Oh, God. I was thinking maybe like uh, like a journeyman was there. Um, all right, let me think of the managers here. There is no time limit on Stump Rotherberg. I'd take this uh, all the way up to the top of the hour. Um, <laughs> current managers, catchers that are managers. Uh, was David Ross on that team? He's a. yeah he was. Ross. Okay, there you go. Correct. I got Three, right? Well done. There you go, Jake yes. and Caldwell. My 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 neighbor, Jake and Caldwell. I think he's just from regular Caldwell. So uh, Jake did me a solid there. Gave me one that I could actually get. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a tough one. I was thinking that maybe there was um like a like a we you know like sometimes it's like a, a pitcher or you know I don't know. People go weird directions with some of these things. The fact he went cat, he gave me the the hint on the catcher kind of led me uh, to the direction that I needed to go. All right, uh, Brian, I'll give you uh, another shot here. Uh, uh, Even though you did me wrong with the first question, where would you say to go next?
1: Okay, let's see it. Uh, Let's go to John in North Bergen.
0: John in North Bergen. John, you're next up on ESPN New York. What you got, pal?
4: Hey Gordon, how you doing, man? I'm Great good. show again, I'll, sir. I'll tell,
0: I'll tell you uh based on your question how I'm doing, John. So let's uh let's keep well, it in the ballpark.
4: I called you last week about Pulp Fiction and you got it right. Okay. So now I'm going movies again. Okay. Um okay, so um an Oliver Stone movie, uh The okay. Doors. Have you okay, seen that doors. one? The
0: Doors, okay, yep, absolutely. Val Kilmer. Jim Morrison and,
4: and the Doors, okay. Yep.
0: Not a right. great movie, but, you know, the, he looked exactly like Jim Moore. he did, They did a good job with casting on that movie.
4: But, it, uh, go it, ahead. That's a great movie. It's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, great uh, movie. That's a great Pulp m-
0: Fiction's a great movie. The Doors. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Give it to me. Give it to me, John.
4: All right. Um, in the bar scene, there's a bar scene, and Jim Morrison says, We should all make a movie in black and white, and we should call it blank. What's, we should call it what? What's the answer? (sighs) Remember that scene? He says we should all make a black and white movie, and we will call it, uh, and it's infamous because it's in the bar scene. Remember when?
0: uh, I think I've seen the the bar scene, maybe one other time. Um.
4: Well, that's the question, Gordon.
0: Yeah, I I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm a lizard king. That's easy, come on. No, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen The Doors that many times to know the the bar scene. The bar scene, there's nothing in that movie that really jumps out to me. Certainly not, I don't remember any bar scene.
4: Mm, Okay, Then that's a tough one for you because it's easy.
0: It's not. Um, If you haven't seen the movie, it's not easy.
4: Well, right. Right. No, yeah. but it's okay.
0: I don't know it. Don't know it. Give it to me, John.
4: Okay, uh, so I'm just gonna come out and tell you. Yeah, just tell he me. He goes, um, he goes, um, hey, we should all make a black and white movie, and we'll call it Zero.
0: Zero. Okay, that was. Uh, I got a zero on that one. So what am I now? One and two on Stump Rothenberg. This is unacceptable. I, I got to stop listening. To- I think the problem is Brian. Clearly, the, the issue is Brian Mangia is steering me astray. All right, Brian, who would you go to next?
1: <laughs> I thought you would get that one because you. Were no, really... I've seen
0: that movie like a couple of times. I don't even think if you've seen that movie a bunch of times that anybody would really know that that question. But All right. uh, give you tell me who you would take next, and then I'll tell you who I'm going to take next. Uh, I would go with Sal. All right, Danny, on Long Island, you're next up on ESPN New York. Danny, give it to me, my friend. Give me something in the ballpark. Gordon, Let's save this segment here before it's a complete disaster.
1: Gordon, I'm starting with you. A, a, a real bizarre uh, myriad of questions there, but let me give you a single I mean, answer. It, it,
0: Danny, you're a regular listener to Stump Rothenberg on the weekend. Would Dave be happy with these questions?
1: Uh, I have to say no.
0: Of course not. All right, go ahead. You okay,
1: got it. Major Enjoy. League Baseball All-Star Trivia Edition. Here we go. Single okay. answer. There have been several players who have started as write-in ballots. Who is the only person who not only started, but was the MVP of the All-Star game? Ground ball, common knowledge, Major League Baseball, in your lifetime.
0: Uh, Okay, All-Star, write-in, who won the MVP. That's the question?
1: That is the question, sir.
0: And it's in my lifetime. Uh, How old are you? I'm 50. Uh, but, I mean, I, I wasn't well, you know, I wasn't watching yeah. uh, games when you know, in yeah, nineteen seventy-two. You you might have
1: been on your father's lap. Right.
0: A Very famous who was, player, though. So. A player who was a write-in and won the MVP. Give me. Uh, let me ask you this, Danny. Give me a, a decade. Is it '90s? Is it '80s? Is it '70s? 2000? It was in the '70s. It was in the seventies. All right, it was in the seventies. A guy who was a write in. Hmm. A guy who was a right in and won.
1: Uh, you want your second hint?
0: Yeah, give me another hint. Sure, I got to get back to five hundred here. There's no. Okay. Rules
1: After this write in, he was a starter for the remainder of his career. And should very well be in the Hall of Fame, but it's not.
0: After this and he went on to win a
1: second MVP
4: of obviously lost our game.
0: He won another MVP later on, you're saying. <sighs> Multiple-time MVP. Huh. Uh, I'm just thinking of really good players in the 70s. So, I'm going to say... I feel like, Danny, you're a guy who has called me before about this guy. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I feel like you've called me about Steve Garvey before. So I'm just going to go with my gut and say Steve Garvey.
1: The biggest the biggest disgrace in the Hall of Fame is that Steve Garvey Hey, not in. it. you, you called
0: about Steve Garvey before. I knew right. it. There you, got you it, go. See, that was, that All was right, Danny, question, thank correct? you very much. Great job. That had nothing to do with that question. It was just that I vaguely remember Danny calling me and being like a huge Steve Garvey fan. So I took a shot. All right. Two and two. Can we get over 500? We have to get over 500. We cannot hand this back to Dave with the with the thing on fire here. Has Dave ever had an under 500 week?
1: When I cover, no. He's always been good. He's that's, been not over the, that's
0: not the right answer, Brian. <laughs> the right answer would have been, yeah, I'm sure Dave has had some struggles. Everyone struggles in life. All right, so give it to me, uh, Brian. Who would you go to uh, next? I would go to Sa. Dave in Queens. Dave, you're next up on ESPN New York.
1: Hey, Gordon, thanks. I agree with that man, Garvey. That, that's, that's, that's a good that's, one. Yeah, he
0: probably team. should be in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, definitely, definitely.
1: Um, the quick one: What number did um, Joe Montana wear with the um, with the Chiefs?
0: What number did Joe Montana wear with the Chiefs? Oh my God. Uh, I think. Oh, God. I think I know it, but I'm not positive. It's either 13 or 19. I always get these wrong. Uh, 13 and 19. I'm going to say 19.
1: You got it, my friend. Yeah, hey, there Thank we you. go. Oh, God.
0: Three and two. I am calling it. That is Stump Rothenberg for this week. Was, those are very difficult questions. I don't even think that they were good questions. That uh, last one was a little bit of a, of a gimme. <laughs> I I feel good about going that direction. Uh, should we take one more? All right, Sal and Duchess, you've been holding a long time. Sal, go ahead. Keep it above 500, Sal. Don't ruin this now.
1: Come on. It's a movie question. You should be able to get it. All right, what movie okay. first off? First, it's the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. All right,
0: Fast Times—that's a movie. That's a rewatchable movie, my friend. Go ahead. And if you
3: want an easier one, I could ask you who was buried in Grant's tomb, but no, I give me the Fast get...
0: Times at Ridgemont okay. High one. That—that's a movie I've seen a time or two. Okay. And if you were to say was... a movie that features a scene that uh, you know men of a certain age have probably seen more than any other scene. You'd probably have to say Fast Times at Ridgemont High has a very strong contender for the number one spot. But go ahead, my friend.
4: No scene. This is, there were three Oscar winners in the movie. Who were they? Three Oscar winners in the movie. People who, who went they?
0: on to win Oscars in yeah, other points in their career. Uh, Well, obviously, Sean Penn. That's one. Okay. Um, Oscar winners in that movie. Oscar winners in the movie. I bet you all. High. Well, I'm pretty sure that Forrest Whitaker won a, an Oscar at some point, right?
1: Ding, ding. That's two.
0: Okay. So that's two. Now, I, just, I, I have a person in mind that I'm thinking, but I'm I trying to run through um, other, you know, I don't I want it to be Mr. Hand won some Oscar in the 1960s or something like that.
1: No, it wasn't Mr. Hand.
0: It's an obvious one here, so.
1: <sighs> it is an obvious one.
0: All right, I'm going to say Jennifer Jason Lee. did she want No, no, the... no, no, don't say that. It's a male. It's a male. It's a man. A man that won an it's Oscar. A man.
1: Yes. You've seen him in one of the scenes, real quick. Maybe, maybe 10 seconds. Maybe 10 guy seconds. The guy
0: who was in that movie who won an Oscar, a man? Yes. Oh, um, is it the scene where they're, um, in the diner, in the diner, behind the counter. He's behind the counter. Well, there's a couple of guys there. Eric Stoltz was in that scene. And I think Nicholas Cage was in that scene. So it has to be one of those two guys.
1: You got Eric it. Stultz One
0: of them two. Ask your... No, it has to be Nicholas Cage. I think Nicholas Cage. Okay,
1: you got it. You got Bang. it. Bang! All right,
0: we got it. We got it. We can edit that out for the for the podcast where I, I said Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, so that that's an that's a correct answer. That's four and two. That's all you can ask for. That's four and two. Wow! What an amazing round of stump Rothenberg again with not great questions. Not pre. I would think that even as a fill-in, those were some fill-in questions today, but what a, what a fantastic job on Stump Rothenberg. It always feels like when I fill in for Dave, the weekend begins once Stump Rothenberg's over. Like, that's the work. Like, that is the work, trying to, to get those stupid answers and figure out which thing is the, the, the movie, The Doors. I mean, come on. What, what are we talking about here? The Doors. Come on now that that's over we can have some fun 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number 1-800-919-3776 but first I should tell you it's time for the truly hard play of the game brought to you by truly hard seltzers the highlight from last night is the one they mentioned there in the sports center and it is oh got it got it got it 33
1: Oh, wow. Where did that one go? That's his 11th home run versus left-handed pitching this year.
0: So there you go. Shohei Otani, his 33rd home run. It goes into the upper deck, and uh, he is just – he is appointment TV in a way that Mike Trout, a three-time MVP and, well, you say, the, the, the best player of his generation, really has never been. Like, did you ever tune into Angel Games – to actually or check Twitter, hey, what did Mike Trout do tonight? Even as great as he is, Shohei Ohtani is far more appointment TV than even a three-time MVP who is headed to the Hall of Fame in the first ballot. So that's the truly hard play of the game. Brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. Try a Truly Hard Seltzer. 100 calories, one gram of sugar, five percent alcohol, 27 different flavors. Truly Hard Seltzer Beverage Company. Please drink responsibly. And I just said once, Stump Rothenberg's done. I feel like my weekend has started, so maybe I can get the wife to, uh, you know, bring down a Truly. She is actually, she just texted me about 10 minutes ago. So our dog. We have a rescue dog. And he's been acting kind of weird, which is not really all that strange for him because he's weird. Like, we have three questions. Whenever anybody sees our dog, they ask us three questions. A, what kind of dog is he? We really don't. Secondly, how old is he? We really don't know. And the third question is, what's wrong with him? And much like the first two questions, we really don't know. So she took him to the vet because he's been acting a little weird, which when he acts weird, that's really strange. I mean, he's the laziest. They always say, you know, who rescued who? In this equation, we absolutely know who rescued who. We rescued him. So she took him to the vet today. And uh, she, we're waiting to find out what's wrong with him. So she texts me, just got the results. His issue is, according to the vet, he's got some tartar. <laughs> he's got some tartar on his teeth. $200 to find <laughs> I, I got to sit on the weekends and brush my dog's teeth now. That's, this is quite a life I have carved out for myself. Quite a life. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Um, all right, uh, UFC 264. I did want to point this out. I am not a huge UFC guy, and UFC fights to me, they're almost like a reality show in that, like if I watch a reality show, I might be into it. I like a competition kind of show, a survivor The Mole from back in the day. Remember The Mole? They got to bring back The Mole. The Mole was such a good reality show. It was too smart. That was the problem, because all the people watching reality show, duh, like me. I I understand that. Um, They got to bring back The Mole. But UFC is almost like The Mole to me. Oh, no, excuse me. It's almost like a reality show. Like, when I watch it, I'm focused on it completely. I'm all into it. But the second it's over, I've completely forgotten I've ever seen it. So I know that tonight is the third matchup between uh poirier and um mcgregor but it feels like and correct me if i'm wrong because i'm not an expert on ufc by any stretch of the imagination it feels like when guys who are the guy you know a champion a big name it feels like when they lose it they never get it back it doesn't come there's like no second acts. it feels like in ufc and, you know, I've kind of been looking forward to the McGregor-Poirier one because I saw the other ones, even though I don't really remember them. But I remember the last one. <laughs> I rem- that one stands out because McGregor looked like he was absolutely washed. And to think now that he is all of a sudden going to get it back, uh, I'm not sure. I-, I I just don't see that happening. It almost felt like when you if you got to see any of the um, – the uh i guess it's like the press conference like the big press conference and he's he does you know stuff where he's always talking he's always talking smack he's always cursing and all these type of things it felt i don't know it felt kind of disingenuous it almost felt like his heart really wasn't in it and he was just saying it to kind of build up the fight to get people to watch and i think people are always going to watch anyway but um Yeah, I would be surprised tonight if McGregor... Look, maybe McGregor is the one rare guy because he's such a big star. But here's the motivation for McGregor. It's not about losing to Poirier and now losing two out of three to the guy. I would think that his better motivation would be, look, you lose this fight. You know what the next step is? Celebrity boxing. You're going to have a steady fight, uh, a steady stream of fights against uh, Jake Paul and Logan Paul and Aaron Carter and Josh Paul and and all the Paul guys. So I would, I would think that that is better motivation than anything else that he could possibly... I feel like I could go run a couple of... You tell me, Gordon, you have to win this fight or you're going to have to face off again. You're going to have to see Jake or... What is it? Jake Paul? Logan Paul, right? There's no other Pauls. I think that those are the only two Pauls. But you're going to see those guys on a regular basis? <sighs> I feel like I could rip a tree right out of the ground based on that just solely as motivation. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN, one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. All right, well, uh, let's get some more calls in here. We'll save the uh, the giant conversation about Daniel Jones for the next segment. Here's uh, Artie's in Brooklyn. Artie, what's going on, pal?
2: Hey, Gordon, how are you, buddy? Thanks for taking Good. the call. What's up? What so, you- my man, I, I couldn't I couldn't disagree. It was a great point by Ira that the Jets, for the first time in a while, maybe Bill Parcells, maybe Mister T, and the first Rex. That they're all on the same page. I always felt like right after they fired Mr. T and they kept the coach, they were like dysfunctional all that time.
0: Yep, and they, they got him off. It the, got him off the plan. Yep, absolutely.
2: Right, right. And now they're all they're where they are. Like if it doesn't work with Sally and um and Douglas, they're gonna start all over again. It's not gonna be like all right, I like Sally, I'm firing Douglas and stuff like that. I don't think it's gonna go that way. But And I wanted Foles as a backup. I said, wow, we could get Foles, Super Bowl backup, Super Bowl quarterback, right? But here's the thing for the first time, you you have this rookie. I don't want a situation like the Dolphins had where you have the fans actually wanting Fitzpatrick in there so they can make the playoffs. I don't want, like, Wilson looking in his back shoulder saying, holy cow, I'm going to lose my job now, even though it's, like, not the worst thing in the world, to Foles. So why don't you get a guy that just can't compete, that the fans will never say, hey, I want this guy now because Wilson's not cutting it. What do you think about
0: that? Uh, I don't think – look, I can understand that. Uh, I I don't think that this coaching – you know, with the Dolphins, there seemed to be like a focus on win now last year, and I get it, and that's important. The Jets are – I don't think at that stage. Like, it's the first year with the coach, they've already – they they realize that this is a build. This is not a quick fix by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, they're going to have to go out and get someone. I don't know that it's necessarily Foles, and I can understand what you're saying. Uh, I think the bigger issue would not be about Foles or who the backup is. You have to have a, a quarterback in the guy that you drafted that allows that situation to take place, right? Like if, if Wilson comes in, and is not good and there's any point where anyone is saying whoever the backup quarterback might be like like take the best backup quarterback or the worst backup quarterback if there's ever a focus on who the backup quarterback is outside of his role as a mentor and and working at the quarterback room well then you got a problem with the first guy not the second guy so I would think that Foles would be a good guy because he has been around the block of time or two but I think that they'll have some options and you think that the fact that there's not really been a it's obvious that they're going to have to go get someone as the backup quarterback. They're not going to go into the season the way they have it right now. Uh, let's go to Joel. Joel is in the car. Joel, you're next up on ESPN New York. Good,
2: good morning, sir. I just wanted to call, and I've never called ESPN before, but I love your show. You crack me up. Uh,
1: if I'm scanning through the channels on the FS dial and I hear your voice on ESPN, I keep it on. So whatever you're doing, my man, keep up the next word. That's all I got. Thanks. Joel, Bye.
0: the check is in my in the mail, my friend. Fantastic job. Thank you. I Look, I would like to disagree. Disagreement is where good sports talk radio comes from. Strong points of view. But how can we disagree? After all, you're 100% right. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And I should tell you, if you're looking forward to the big UFC to fight tonight, what is it, UFC 264, Today, right here on this very station where you are right now from four to six special MMA show hosted by Myron Metcalf and Charlie Arnold, getting you ready for the big fight tonight. So that is that is a big focus tonight. It is for me. And, you know, it used to be back in the day you'd have a big boxing match. It doesn't really feel like there's that many of those anymore. But UFC, it doesn't get any bigger than the bigger than the, the McGregor and Poirier fight tonight. So that's one that even if you're a casual fan like me, you will definitely have your eye on it. All right, it is Gordon Damer in for Dave. In case you're just joining us, you missed just another another just amazing performance by me uh, on Stump Rothenberg. Another winning week, just stacking win upon win upon win on something that I'm not even really all that good at. Did people give me hints? Well, if you're just tuning in, no, they did not give me hints. If you did, well, look, if you heard it, you heard it. You know what went on. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff still to do here. Uh, As we take you up until noon and Anita Marks then. I did want to touch on a couple more things with the Yankees. We'll get back to the phones at 1-800-919-ESPN. And uh, we have to get some NFL talk in because we're like two months away here. Basically from the NFL returning. And you blink your eyes, it's going to be Labor Day, people. We are now mid-July already. Uh, It is going to fly by. The summer always does. And before long, it'll be training camp, NFL back. One thing on the Yankees last night, maybe the most positive thing moving forward, that Glaber Torres f- had two hits in a game and actually hit the ball hard. And that has not been the case much this year. I mean, it, I've gone through it in a, a thousand different ways trying to illustrate just how bad Glaber Torres has been from where he was to where he is. He is one of the least productive hitters in all of Major League Baseball, coming from a point where, as a 22, 23-year-old, he was an all-star player. And I need someone, somewhere, to give me something other than, well, he's really a second baseman, not a shortstop, and that's why he's struggling. I could play Aaron Judge at shortstop. I could play Gary Sanchez at shortstop. And I don't think that their offense would suffer this much. And I know people are saying, well, he's concerned about his defense and his concerns about his defense are impacting his offense. Well, look, it probably should be the other way around. His defense is by far a stronger point of his game at this point than his offense. At this point, his defense should be you hit the ball to him, and he kicks it into the outfield. That's how bad his offense has been. To equal out how bad his offense has been with how his defense could be, that's how bad he'd have to, he'd have to pick the ball up and throw it into the stands. That's how bad his offense has been. So I, need, I was reading an article that he's not pulling the ball. He's not trying to pull the ball enough, and that's why he's not showing the power that he has in years past. Look, man, I'm open to suggestions, and I mean any suggestion. Like, does he have a twin? Because that, that would explain it. Like, he actually has a twin. This is not Glaber Torres. This is uh, John Torres, and John Torres is not a professional baseball player. Glaber is off somewhere, I don't know, doing what. Was he cursed by a witch? Was he wearing a buzzer under his shirt like Altuve the first two years of his career? Again, I am open to suggestions because for all the focus that we've had for years about how bad Gary Sanchez has been, Glaber has actually been a less effective player. Like at least Sanchez every once in a while would run into one and hit with some power. That has not been the case for Glaber Torres. So maybe last night, I mean, look... I'm grasping at straws, people. I, I realize how the, you know somebody called up before and said, you're very optimistic about the Yankee season. Well, look, I, I have it every single day. It's on the TV. There's a game every single day. And unlike the actual Yankee players, I can't take a day off. I got to watch it. I got to be there. This is the day you give Luke Voigt a day off when we're opening a series. It's must-win time. Ah, let's give him a day. He's going to have three, four days coming up. Nah, give him another day. All right, let's get to the football, because uh, as I said, the football has to start to take center stage here, especially as the Yankee season slips into the abyss. And I brought up the point earlier that this year, going into the year, real optimism, I think, for the Jets. And and part of that is that it's a new page. Uh, It's a fresh start. And it does feel like that you have people in charge that clearly are in a better position and you have more confidence in than the previous people in those positions it would almost be hard to find someone who you had less confidence in as a head coach than the previous you know you had already calling up about everybody's now on the same page well everyone's on the same page as adam Gase, but unfortunately it was a coloring book i mean it was just so bad last year it could not robert Sala could close his eyes on the sidelines and he'd have he'd have to be better it cannot possibly be worse and now with the quarterback, you're interested to see what Zach Wilson, what's that jump going to be like for him, from BYU, a guy at this point last year I don't think most of us had ever heard of before, and now he's your starting quarterback and all the praise that he got coming into the draft after his season. So there is some optimism, and I think that there is some optimism because the Jets' roster is still a work in progress, but now at least it does seem like you have some, some pieces moving forward that are in key spots, right? Like Quinnen Williams, he's a key contributor. You have the left tackle. You think you have your quarterback. The receivers group is far deeper than it's been in quite some time. Now, there's still some work to do. There's still some areas. Uh, Marcus May, you want to hopefully get him signed to a long-term extension so it's not just one and done for him. So I do think that there's far more legitimate optimism for Jet fans going into this year than there has been in years past. But, you know the optimism surrounding the the giants, there's legitimate optimism there too. And every year people are, are pumped up about their team. Last year it was about seeing just how the coach was going to be on the sidelines and, and see what impact he was going to have. This year, I think that it's it's a different kind of optimism and it, it, it's a higher goal, right? Like this year, you're going into the season based on how last year ended. And you're, you're, you're expecting big things. But obviously the area where everybody's focusing is on the quarterback. And, and the thing you hear a lot of times about Daniel Jones is, is well, the, look, this is, this is make or break time, right? This is year three. All the things that we said about Sam Darnold last year are all absolutely true about Daniel Jones this year. Included in that is one extra thing in that he actually does have weapons to work with. Like if Daniel Jones is not successful this year, uh, that, that is, that is a, a real sign that it should be screaming from the rooftops that this is not the right guy. But, then, of course, that's what, what defines success is a little open-ended. So the Post has today, let me give the writer credit. The writer is Ryan Dunleavy. He kind of looks at some recent quarterbacks and you know high draft picks and how they progressed in year three. So, obviously, the one that everybody wants to be like is Josh Allen, right? Struggled pretty significantly the first two years. Last year, they get digs. His numbers jump. Basically, an MVP candidate quarterback rating of 107. Obviously, if Daniel Jones is able to be, make his career numbers and his, his production jump to a level where he's even getting whispered, never mind shouted as part of the MVP conversation, well, then that's done. But they also focus on other quarterbacks where they made improvements. Not quite to the level of, of Josh Allen, but they bring up Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill. Then there's the third section where they bring up you know Sam Bradford, Blake Bortles, Jameis Winston. And then they have the, the final category where it's alarm bells. Marcus Mariota, Trubisky, uh, Sam Darnold. Here's the thing. And certainly, you will get your take on it. 1 800 919 ESPN. It really comes down to what level of success the quarterback has, but also what level of success the team has. Because if it turns out that the Giants have success as a team, and Daniel Jones, well, look, Daniel Jones is going to have to. I mean, his numbers were just so bargain basement last year just a a normal year he has to progress even if he gets back to where he was as a rookie that's a massive jump from where he was last year and I, I would expect with Saquon Barkley assuming he's healthy that's kind of what you're going to probably get now the question is do you see any improvement above that but if the Giants as a team have success and say have a winning season they're in the conversation for either the division or a playoff spot I'm not so sure that there's going to be any changes in terms of the GM. And if there's no changes in terms of the GM, even if it's only minor improvement, only if it's getting back to where he was in year one, I'm not so ready to think that the Giants are going to cut bait on Daniel Jones. I know it's, it's great to say, well, this is make or break, and he has to be this. And if he's not this, he's going to be that. Usually the truth kind of lies in the middle. And there's, there's a lot of gray area. So to think that this is make or break or that this is going to be cut and dry, I'm not so that sure that it is. I know you want it to be that case because you got the two number one picks and it is year three for a quarterback. But take a look at what Daniel Jones's numbers were last year. It's, it's, it's almost impossible for him not to be better than that. That's how bad last year was. Last year, Let me get them for you. 2020, he completed about the same amount of passes as the year before, 62%. He threw for less than 3,000 yards. He had 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. I mean, yes, obviously, it doesn't really matter. If the Giants are uh, 11 and 6, and he puts up those numbers, yeah, clearly you're going to cut bait. Although, again, the fact that the GM has so much riding on this guy, I don't know that that's even, even with those numbers, I think you would probably, but I wouldn't say it's a, it's a guarantee if the team is successful. But let's say he just gets back to where he was in year one. And the Giants are, are, are better, but, you know, maybe they're like a, almost a 500 team. So, uh, you know, they're, they're right. But they're not really uh, legitimate contenders for the division, not really legitimate contenders for the, um, for the playoffs. But Daniel Jones throws for, you know, slightly over 3, like 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. I'm not so convinced that that will be uh, saying to the Giants, you know what, we got to bring in a new quarterback. Unless that doesn't lead to the success that allows the GM to come back as well. So for all the conversations about the quarterback, to me, the conversation really has to first start, is the GM going to be back? Because if he is... I think there's a better than likely chance, even with the two draft picks, even with all the quarterbacks coming out, that Daniel Jones is still back as the Giants quarterback. one eight hundred nine one nine. 919 espn is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to uh, Cullum is in the Bronx. Cullum, you're next up on ESPN New York.
3: Gordon, good morning. Always good to talk to you. Um, my point... With the Giants, um, as you said so eloquently, uh, there's a lot. There's far less excuses for Daniel Jones coming this year. But if you look at their schedule, and I'm gonna just give you out of 10 of their games, I'm just gonna give you some of the quarterbacks: Drew Locke, Jalen Hurts twice, Ryan Fitzpatrick twice, Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, Tua Tungavailoa, Derek Carr, and either Fields or Dalton at the end of the year, depending on who starts. That's 10 quarterbacks that if you want to be considered a confident starting quarterback in the NFL that can take a team to the playoffs, I'm not talking top five. I'm not talking Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, but if you want to be considered a good starting quarterback, you have to outperform nine out of 10 of those, beat nine out of 10 of those quarterbacks and outperform them. I'm not saying that leads to wins, but you need to outplay most of those quarterbacks. And then out of the other seven games, obviously you're going against Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, Justin, uh, Justin Herbert. I'm not, expecting, I'm not expecting him to be better, but out of those seven games, maybe one or two, you outperform those quarterbacks. And if you look at that, and that all adds up to me, that adds up to about 10, 11 wins. So I think that's the expectation for this Giants team. The way the schedule lines up, how much they put into it in the offseason with the free agents and everything, it's it's all on Daniel Jones, and I hate to say it because I'm a little skeptical about the offensive line, but you look at how it goes. He's, if you want to be a competent quarterback, you've got to be better than all those guys I just named.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. But again, column to me, it's about also team success and what success – you take a look at the quarterback that Jones has been when Saquon Barkley is healthy. I mean, go look at – you go through the game log, and Cullum, thanks for the call. Uh, you go through the game log, and when, when he has Saquon Barkley, he's one guy. And when he doesn't, and he didn't largely have him last year, he's the guy that you saw last year. He struggled mightily. So the fact that they've upgraded the weapons around him. Here's the thing. The Giants are, are – uh, I know we want to make it a comparison to the Jets because it was so obvious last year with the Jets the quarterback was the way that they were going to go. And now with the two draft picks, you think that, that because for the first time in ever in his career that, um, that Gettleman trades down, you, you think that Joe Judge is kind of pulling the strings and it's not really about the GM. The Giants are a loyal organization. And unless Daniel Jones goes out there and, and stinks up the joint and the Giants stink as a team, Then, okay, fine. All bets are off. Absolutely go get yourself a new quarterback. You've given him three years. The progress hasn't been there. you got a new GM, and it's about a fresh start. But I'm just telling you, everybody's making it out like it's cut and dry. I don't think it's cut and dry. I think there's a lot of gray area, and a lot of the answers about Daniel Jones are going to come from other areas. Is the GM back? How does does, uh, Jason Garrett – incorporate some of these weapons including the guy you, you picked in the second round the, the wide receiver uh, I think that it has a lot more to do with them than it does with him and to think that you're going to get through this year and it's going to be a clear decision one way or the other based on Jones's numbers I don't see it that way and I don't think that's the way it's going to play out you're listening to the Dave Rothenberg show podcast on ESPN new york.com